What's up, folks of Gator Country? This is none other than your boy, David Soderquist, along with Andrew Spivey. And Florida will pack their bags on their way to Louisiana to LSU Stadium in Baton Rouge. They will also be bringing some key players back, which we'll discuss here shortly. And they'll also be without a marching band. Apparently, it was announced earlier this week that the marching band will not make it to the game. While all in all, wearing nothing but orange going into LSU Stadium to Spivey. At Ogeron, you can't tell these players to not put on their sissy blue shirts. Yeah, I tell you, the last time Florida went all orange was when they went to um, Atlanta for the uh, SEC championship game in what was that, 2018, 2017, when they wore all orange in in Baton Rouge. And, oh, my God, I will remember that game forever. They were were all red after the game. Yeah, that was one of the best football games as far as just, you know – first kick to the end of it. I mean, you know, you have Florida stopping LSU at the goal line. Leonard Fournette starts off pregame warmups by getting into a shouting match with Torian Gray, and he wasn't going to play, and then he decided to play, and he ended up, you know, more so hurting himself than anything. Um, it, it was just – it was a great football game. Tyree Cleveland with his 99-yard um catch uh from i believe it was austin appleby through that to him so um some good memories in lsu some not so good memories in lsu um good news is if there is any good news it's noon um in baton rouge well 11 in baton rouge noon uh eastern time and um Fans don't like Orgeron right now, so what will they show up like? I bet they still show up. Those people live and breathe football. Yeah, um, Ed Ogeron is uh, on the firing squad right now. He's um, The seat's getting pretty hot, and wouldn't it be something if we could go into LSU Tiger Stadium, whether it's a blowout or not. I, I'm not going to say the B word because that's what we don't do. We don't do that here at the University of Florida. It just doesn't happen. Yeah, it doesn't happen. But if we go into the stadium and we get a win, and we get Ed Ogeron on fired. How does that feel for a Florida fan after what they had to endure last year? You know, being the uh, the, the the top dogs and then getting upset in uh, the shoe gate. The shoe gate. Yeah. Yeah, that was shoe on Orgeron out of the game. That was bad. <laughs> that was a bad joke. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, um, I don't know that he gets fired now. I was looking at it. I heard some rumors that. They possibly could do something after the bye week. They have Ole Miss next week, and then they have a bye week before Bama. And there was some different people coming out saying, well, maybe if they do make a move, it's before the bye week. I'm going to say this. I may be completely wrong when I say this, but I think Orgeron has a chance to save his job at the end of the year by by winning a few games. I, you know, I think he has more of a leash – because he is a Louisiana guy and he won that national championship than most people do. Um, I'm going to lean that he, he finds a way to save his job and comes back next year, but it, it wouldn't shock me at all um, for that to happen. And I mean, Florida, this was the, this was kind of where Florida was last year, just flip it around and you were in the swamp instead of, you know, in Tiger stadium, you know, Florida came in the the heavy favorites in the game, and um, they were the better team. And LSU had Max Johnson, you know, slinging the football around like a little kid because he can't throw the ball very good. And they found a way to win the ball game. Yeah, with with less talent and more injuries, just like this year, they have Ooh. they have less talent because they have injuries right now. 
I mean, they lose their two starting corners, Eli Ricks and Derek Stingley. Oh, yeah. Neither one of those guys will probably play. The re- well, I think Ricks is announced playing or done for the year, and Stingley, that guy's playing in the NFL. That's the next time you're going to see that guy playing. Uh, what was it? Uh, Butte. Uh, Kayshawn Butte. Butte, yeah, their leading receiver. He's not playing. Uh, John Emery, you know, he's out for, I believe, NCAA suspension still. I mean, their they're list yeah, of the guys year. out. Yeah, yeah. Deion I mean, their Smith guys is just crazy. Yeah, it's a uh, Deion Smith at wide receiver, Eli Ricks at cornerback, Glenn Logan at defensive end, Major Burns. It was announced, uh, I think, last week he'd be out too. Yeah, uh, Boutte. We just mentioned that. Uh, jo- Joseph Evans, defensive tackle, mentioned a couple weeks ago. Uh, and you know, Derek Stingley. We knew about that for a while. Chris Hilton Jr. out. He's been out. He's been announced for a while. And then. Obviously, you got the the starting quarterback. He he was already out for the year for the arm injury. Just at least, and I counted it. It was like eleven injuries for LSU. I mean, it's just yeah. a, it's like it's like if you combined your kid's birthday and Christmas list, and you go down their injury list, that's what it's going to look like. It's it, it's pretty bad, and it's it kind of reminds me of when Muschamp was here. I think one year, and we were playing Georgia Southern, we lost to them. Our injury list was like way worse than that one. It was, and everyone had torn ACLs. It seemed like yeah. So everybody was out for the year, and and yeah, so LSU's coming into this game hobbling very, very badly, and right now the spread is, I think it's 11.5. It's up from 10.5 here uh, yeah. from yesterday. So I guess a lot of bets have been coming in for Florida, which I don't blame if you're a better. If I was betting my money, I'd bet Florida just based on the injuries LSU has, but it doesn't mean anything because we got upset last year, but... Whatever. Uh, ESPN's got us a 73% chance to win the game over there, 27. Um, you know, I look at this game, and you were talking about Ed Ogeron, and, and, you know, it could be his hot seat game. Let me ask you this, though. If Dan Mullen goes into that stadium and he lays an egg, what's the hot seat going to look like for Dan Mullen? You know, I, I've said this, and, I, and I'll continue to, to, to go with this line, and, and that is I don't think Dan's on the hot seat. And no, I don't think not. he can do much to get on the hot seat this year. Um, I think the thing is with a, with with more losses, the pressure to make changes to his organization, uh, whether that you know off the field guys as well as some on the field guys. Um, I think you become pressure because you know you you fire Torian Gray and um, Ron English last year, and you know your defense has gotten better. Um, now it's time to look at some offensive guys. And unfortunately, on the offense side of the ball, all it is is his boys and Billy yeah. Gonzalez, Greg Knox, and uh, John Hevesy, which, you know, because Brewster and Garrick McGee are new. And, you know, I, Brewster's tight ends have been pathetic this year, but that's just that. Um, and, you know, I won't get into, I mean, the guy's supposed to be the, the one of the best recruiters in the country, and the guy can't land anything off cop pits. That's, but that's neither here nor there. We'll have to talk about that in a later episode. Um, and quarterback play with McGarrett McGee, I mean, there's not too much you can do with Emory Jones. I mean, the handcuffs are there. So um, I think it just becomes more of a push to make changes within your your program. And uh, and, and and again, I don't know. That's a bad thing, you know. Uh, You've seen coaches around the country, and everybody wants to point to Dabo Sweeney uh, because it took him a few years to get there at Clemson. But he made changes. He's, he made those 
changes that he had to make to, to get to where he was. Um, you know, you, you, you look at Nick Saban, he made changes early on. Um, every coach has to make changes. Your, your first pick, and it doesn't mean you were wrong. It just means they didn't all click together. Yeah, and if you notice when Dabo got to Clemson, um, obviously he was playing with other teams' recruits. But on the right. fourth year, he was on the come-up. Uh, like third, right. fourth year, he was on the come-up. Dan Mullen, on the other hand, has McIlwain recruits, very successful with McIlwain recruits. Now it's his fourth year. You've already lost to Kentucky. Alabama, it was it, no moral victories. It was an excusable loss, but it's no moral victories. Right. But then you lay an egg to Kentucky. So right now... You're looking at this LSU game with all these injuries and, and, and everything going bad just for LSU. And this is, it's kind of a must-win game. I mean, it really is because to me as a fan, if Dan Mullen loses this game, I was, I'm already irritated about Kentucky. You want to see me really irritated? Lose right. to LSU with all those injuries. Well, especially two years in a row. You shouldn't have lost last year. You definitely shouldn't yeah. lose this year. Um, you know, and it... It shouldn't be a tricky game because you know what LSU has. You know what LSU is going to do. You have a week off next week before you get to Georgia. So you're not looking ahead to anything. Um, you're coming off of a Vandy game that, you know, for the most part, you came out very healthy. Um, Kyrie Elam's supposed to return this week. Garage is supposed to be back this week. Malik Davis is supposed to be back this week. Yeah. Um no, I'm sure I'm missing somebody, but, um, you know, a lot of your guys are going to be back this week. We're pretty so, much in full force this whole yeah, week. Yeah, I mean, for that they're going to be. You know, you're you're going to be without uh, uh, Ventrell Miller because he's out for the year, oh, basically. Yeah. Um, and, you know, but other than that, yeah, you should be. You should be pretty close. Um, so, the, you know, the, you're – You've got to come in and, and you got to find a way to win this game. I never called a must win because what's well, a must win for a two loss football team? And I don't mean that in a bad way, but I mean, really, <laughs> honest to God, I mean, okay, maybe, you know, you sneak into a New Year's Six bowl, but I, I, I'm also one of those people who said bowl games don't matter. So when you lost and you didn't get to go to the SEC championship game, to me, it kind of threw everything out the door. Um, so I, I kind of struggled, but it's a must win, but in a way for recruiting purposes and fan expectations and expectations overall for the program, I think it does become a little bit of a must win, especially against Orgeron who's on the hot seat. Yeah, definitely. Um, and uh, they'll be going into that game without a guy that we did not mention is Elijah blades dismissed from the team. Um, that was a bad pickup from the beginning. And I, yeah. I think you and I talked about this um, before. And, you know, I, I've got some friends who recruited him around the country. And when the news broke, he was taking an official. One person in general sent me a text and they said, what is Florida doing? Do they not know, you know, that he doesn't stick around long and he has a bad attitude? Um, you know, and everything we've heard is – players didn't really care for him in the, in the locker room. Um, the reports that I got were he, he was, he pulled himself out of the first game. When you took the photo um, of him, the first game at halftime with the hamstring, he pulled himself out because he wasn't playing. Yeah. Um, Mullen didn't like that. He didn't return to the sidelines, which I texted you that I was like, why is he not on the sidelines? But um, still, so he wasn't there. And then um, he was, you know, didn't play the next two games. And then the, 
doesn't play very much in the Kentucky game, so he gets mad and walks out of the walkthrough on Friday and doesn't show back up in the stadium until um, it's time to go for a Gator walk. And Dan Mullen told him, go on, and dismissed him. And You know, I, I, it's just it was a bad fit from the beginning uh, with Elijah Blades. Elijah Blades has a lot of maturing to do as an individual, Um and it sucks because, you know, that was probably his last go around because he's in his sixth year of eligibility. Um, so, you know, I for me, I think it's more about Elijah Blades finding the the right path that he needs to go forward to live his life outside of football. Yeah, uh, he's been to, what, is it three schools now that Elijah Blades has been well, to? Well, yeah, well, he committed and signed with Nebraska and didn't go. Um or didn't qualify. He went to uh, no. I think it. I think he went to two JUCOs. I believe he went to one in Cali, and that yeah. didn't work out. And then he ended up going to one in Arizona, and he's finished there. Went to A and M, and then left A and M and came to Florida. So that's what four schools he's been at. Five he's signed with. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm curious to see where he goes after this. Uh, yeah. do we call him Elijah Martell or? Uh, Tate yeah. Blades. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Well, he passed Tate, right? Because Tate was just at Ohio State, Miami, and UNLV. Now he only committed to like 70 schools, too. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, I do feel kind of bad for Martell. He just wasn't a good quarterback. They wanted, isn't he a yeah. wide receiver somewhere now? Yeah, he's like fifth string at UNLV or I don't know. He should have took the advice when people told him he wasn't quarterback in the get go, but you know. Uh, that's what I think. That's what Dan Mullen tried to do with Treon Harris when he got here, right? Tried to turn him into a what, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think he would have um, made a great receiver, slot receiver. I mean, you know, people and and I get it. You know, you you, you become a quarterback and you play it your whole life, but you know, unfortunately for Treon Harris, you know, we there's nothing to make you bigger and taller. I mean, there just isn't. Um, with Tate Martell, you know, he wasn't a good passer. He could run the ball, okay, but. Guess what? You can't do that in the NFL. You can't do it in the NCAA. So I I, I get it, but like at the same time, like I, I hate that it's frowned upon, you know, by guys so much when, you know, the opportunities there. I mean, you know, you look at some of the guys. I mean, let, let's just look at a guy at Florida, for instance, in Quentin Dunbar. He was a guy who was a you know receiver and moves to corner and at one point was one of the highest paid cornerbacks in the league. Yeah. It's it's crazy how that works out when you go with some of the some of the guys that don't really work out or don't get a lot of reps in college. They do go to the NFL draft and they wind up on a practice squad or something and work yeah. their way up and then they're they're playing first string in the NFL. Look at a guy like Freddie Swain. Yeah, Freddie Swain got no love his entire career at Florida from the national media. Florida fans knew how good he was. The dude's balling out for the Seahawks. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. And speaking of wide receivers, before we break down this LSU game, Florida picked up a commitment and a uh, yeah. top 200 guy, uh, ranked 170 nationally, the number one wide receiver in the state of Florida, Jaden Gibson. He's a six foot five, 185 pound guy from Winter Garden, Florida. How do you feel about that one, man? I like it. Uh, 31 catches on the year for 507 yards, 10 touchdowns on the year. Um, you know, he fits that mold that Dan Mullen likes. Big receiver. Um, you know, I, I think he can do a lot of things. Um, obviously, he's 185. You're going to have to, you know, going to have to get him to 200. But he, the good thing is he has the body there. He's got good oh, speed yeah. um, overall, and he kind of fits, you know, this class because – 
Bond and Smith are are two more, you know, agile, athletic, you know, more of your slot receiver kind of guys. Um, and, and then you bring in Gibson to be that, you know, Trayvon Grimes of this offense. You're kind of your true ex. And, you know, you, you hope to pair him with Evan Stewart or and if that doesn't work out, someone else in the class. But um, I think it's a good pickup. And, and you know, I again, you know, it – we harp on we harp on Dan and recruiting and everything else. This was a good one, you know. Yeah. You you held off Georgia, um, you know. You beat Miami because Miami was terrible, but you held off the late push from Georgia, um, and you held off the late push from some other schools. Baylor was trying hard, and you know Baylor does well with receivers because they throw the ball so much. So um, overall, I think it was a good pickup for Florida. Uh, Kewan Ratliff was big there and getting him, and so was Dan Mullen and getting him. So um, big pickup and. Um, again, a big addition to the receiver class. It's turning to be a good receiver class. I'm a big, big fan of Isaiah Bond. Oh, yeah, yeah. Isaiah Bond, Chandler Smith, just their speed alone. Uh, I'm just a big fan of. When I looked at their 100-meter times, I was a former track runner in high school. Granted, I was never that fast. But I knew about 100-meter times when I saw them. I was like, man, i got to have to convert that into a 40 <laughs> time. So, yeah. mile split lets you convert it into a 40 time. It was like a 429 or something like that. It's crazy. Crazy, ridiculous yeah. speed. And uh, Florida adding another wide receiver to that class, man. And actually, if you look at it, if you don't want to, if you're not a rankings guy, it's pretty elite speed wide receiver class so far. And uh, yeah, my buddy Zach Goodall, before uh, Jaden Gibson did commit, I was talking to him for a little bit, man. He said, uh, thinking one of his seven on sevens, he caught like seven touchdown passes. So yeah, yeah, that's that's pretty that's pretty elite for a seven on seven. But anyway, we're gonna go ahead and break down some of this LSU game. We'll. uh, Start off here with offensive and defensive points per game. LSU's hold on, but real quick, go, yeah, this is go. a stat that I wanted to throw at you, real quick. Go yeah. ahead, throw me a stat. I'm always the you stat know, guy. I'm not, you I know you love your stats, man. And uh, I got one for you. This was All crazy right. when I read it off. It's something that you know that you always kind of think about this game, and, and you do think that this game, uh, for a long time, it was kind of like the Tennessee game, whichever team outrushed the other team usually won the football game, so yeah. it makes sense in a way, but. After knowing that Joe Burrow played for Florida two or LSU two years ago against Florida, you would not believe it. But LSU has not thrown for 300 yards in a game against Florida since 1992. That is 29 years. Good lord! Let's not break that record. To let's let's make it 30 years. Yeah. Let's make it 40. Let's make it 50. But how did Burrow like? That's just crazy to me. It seemed like Burrow was hitting 400 against everybody. Well, I, I know. Yeah, that is crazy. I know for a fact that. I don't know if he did that. Did he do that against Auburn? Because their game was pretty close. It was like 23 yeah. to 26. I don't think he did it against yeah. Auburn. I don't know that he did that against Auburn. There was That game was close. And and then the uh, the Florida game, which they still ended up winning by double digits against Florida. I don't know. I think they I were know. able to run the ball pretty effectively in that game when they played Florida. So I, it could have dumbed down his passing stats. But yeah, it seemed like Joe Burrow was averaging four to 500 yards passing per game every year. And it was just ridiculous. Yeah. But fortunately, they don't have Joe Burrow anymore. And they, they, they definitely don't have Jamar Chase and all the rest of those guys. Especially Marshall. This game. And yeah, they're, they're, they're down it. a lot of people. And right now they're... Uh, since I'm the statistics guy here, uh, they're, they're offensive and defensive points per game. Their statistics, LSU's 54th right now, averaging 28.8 points per game. Florida's 29th, at averaging 33.2 points per game nationally. LSU, whew, 82nd in defensive points allowed per game at 30. 
Florida, twelfth in defensive points allowed at sixteen point five. So, um, if you're Emory Jones, that'll get you fire. Yeah, if if you're Emory Jones, especially with the injuries now, especially defensive back back there, I'd be chucking the ball this game. I I, I would I would say Copeland needs to shorter needs touch. They need to do something with Justin Shorter. I don't know what Justin Shorter has been doing. How why he's been so silent. A lot of people say he can't catch. If he can't catch, put him on special teams. Put him somewhere. Put him in the slot. I don't know. Uh, but you, you better be chucking the ball around this game. Uh, that's what I would be doing, especially with the way that they're giving up points. Um, offensive yards per game. Uh, LSU is currently 63rd nationally in offensive yards per game at 394.4. So this goes back to what you were saying about how they haven't been able to score, you know, past 300 yards of offense. Or it was, it was passing. It was passing. It wasn't yeah. total offense. Never mind. But it goes kind of it goes back to that. Um, you know, a UF is ranked ninth nationally in yards per game at 504.2, which is actually surprising to me because, you know, I know Florida's offense has been pretty damn good for the most part with what you've had to replace, but I never knew that they would be averaging 504.2 yards per game. Um, I mean, you go back to look at that Kentucky game. He was bragging about 380 yards, yes, I guess, but still didn't win the football game. So, yeah. Um, um. I mean, the thing for me is this. Max Johnson's just not that good. No, I mean, not. he can dink and dunk you down the field, and that's what worries me because that's when Florida's at its worst is when teams dink and dunk and, you know, just kind of work their way down the field because then that allows Florida to have the missed tackles. And that's the concerning part to me. But it just, to me, is this is a game where you get in their face. You got Kyrie Elam back. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing Jason Marshall get the start opposite of Kyrie, but that's just me. Yeah, me um, and letting both of those guys get in the receiver. Butte is it playing. That's their best receiver. Um, you know, they're they're still, you know, trying to rebound from all the guys they less lost last year. Um, get in their face. Make them beat you off the line of scrimmage and, and do that. Don't allow Max Johnson to dink and dunk you um, down the field. I mean, they put up 261 yards passing against Kentucky and and rushed for 147, and that's pretty good. Um, you know, against Kentucky's defensive line, it's pretty good. Um, but I, it'll be interesting to kind of see where this game goes because Kentucky was able to run for 330 against LSU. Uh, does Florida go into this game with kind of the mindset of, control the clock, you know, just kind of take their time and go on long drives in this game. And, you know, I don't want to say keep the ball out of Max Johnson's hands because he's not scary or anything, but does it kind of force Max Johnson to throw the ball a little bit more uh, with the limited possessions he may have? Yeah, and if you look at the Kentucky-LSU game, and I even noticed this too, Florida, a lot of the opponents now are stacking the box against Florida because they know they're a very run-heavy team. Do you blame them? <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're still third nationally in rushing yards. I think it's like right. 74 they're averaging rushing yards-wise. But I noticed in the Kentucky game that LSU was stacking the box against Kentucky and still couldn't stop Kentucky. They knew exactly what Kentucky was doing yeah. every place, still could not stop the run. And uh, I mean, they were leaving dudes wide open all over the field too. So, and and you're talking about Max Johnson before he even lost. I mean, he's he's lost two two of his wide receivers already. He's only right. throwing fifty seven percent. So, take the wide receivers away. Take away some of his defensive guys. I mean, this game. I mean, to me, I think Florida should. I think Florida should win it handily. But I've always been wrong in the past. In the past, and their defense is ninety second nationally right now allowing 258.8 average passing yards per game. Florida's is 208.3, which is 39th nationally. So 
if I'm Florida, if the run's not working, chuck the ball. Chuck the ball all over the field. I, I, there shouldn't be any reason to where you can't do both of what you want to do. Rush the ball, pass the ball. You should be able to do that to LSU. Now, I know what LSU is going to try to do, and they've been watching film on Vanderbilt, and they've been watching film on just about every team that we've played. They're going to try to chew up clock. They're going to try to keep Florida's offense off the field because their defense right now isn't really good. So what right. they're going to try to do, they're going to try to chew up clock. They're going to try, especially I'll be passing the sidelines. If, if I was mm-hmm. in our sideline coverage, terrible. It's been terrible all year. But that's what they're going to try to do. They know we can't tackle. They're going to try to keep, they're going to try to milk the clock just like Vanderbilt did. So they can get like 200 yards against the first half. If they get 200 yards of offense the first half, granted, depending on how it, how it works its way out, uh, I might be a little irritated by halftime. Well, I think that's the big thing is, and I say this, and I, I kind of feel like a broken record because I'm sure people listen and say, oh, there goes Fivey saying the same thing again. But get off to a fast start. Do not allow LSU to think they have a chance in this football game. Orgeron already is on the hot seat. And they've heard yeah. it all week. The players have heard all week about the injuries and how they, uh, do they have the talent to beat Florida on, on, on Saturday. If you go in there and you thump them from the beginning and you beat them from the beginning, this team may lay down. Oh, they, yeah. they really do. They may lay down in this game. Um, so go out in this game and figure out a way to – to, to get off to a fast start. There's a lot working against you. It's an 11 o'clock start local time. That means you're probably up about 6 or 6.30. Um, and, it, it you know, and Florida's just not a team that comes out quick most of the times. Granted, they did against Vanderbilt, um, but they didn't defensively. They need to come out and, and put their staple on it. Um, I, I said this um, last week, and that is I want to see the physicality at back. I haven't seen it. I didn't see it in the Kentucky game and I didn't see it in the Vandy game. I want to see it back in this football game where you see offensive linemen just mashing other guys, getting to that third, second, and third level, and just allowing their guys to continue to get yards after the, the first touch, break tackles, keep a pocket clean for Emory. Again, this is a, an LSU team that's just not uh, the greatest as far as getting to the quarterback, as far as physicality up front, Kentucky dominant with physicality up front get up there and just put your stamp on this game early and you may get this LSU team to fall down and quit yeah and you talked about getting off to a fast start Florida currently scores most of its points in the first quarter 10.3 on average but defensively they also give up the most points as well in the first quarter at 6.3 now I looked at LSU's LSU defensively Gives up six point eight yards in the second quarter and two point or two point eight six point eight points and two point eight points in the first quarter. So LSU is not giving up a lot of points in the first quarter, where Florida scores the most points. So that'll be an interesting matchup to see as well to see if they can actually get off to a fast start. And then if they do score a touchdown, can keep LSU from scoring, go up to two or three touchdown lead. You go to a three or two touchdown or two or three touchdown lead, that that crowd is going to be silent, and you're not going to have to worry about any false start penalties which is the the next stat I'm going to go into, unfortunately, and this one is not in our favor. <laughs> and it's going to, it's probably not going to surprise you, but uh, Florida is 115th nationally, ouch, in penalties per game, averaging 8.2 penalties per game. Between the Kentucky game and Vanderbilt game, looked pretty bad. 
Uh, well, and Dan Mullen said, you know, we they, he said we got to go into this game and change up our snap counts and, you know, this, that, and the other. And, and my thing is this, and that is figure it out, but make sure whatever you go to, whether, you know, it's the hand clap, whether it's, you know, some signal to Stuart Reese to where Stuart Reese, you know, taps uh, Kingsley to snap it, whatever they go to um, in this. Make sure that all 11 guys know what it is and make sure all 11 guys are comfortable with it. Make sure both quarterbacks are comfortable with it. Go in with a plan because it doesn't look like you've had a plan the last two weeks um, and and it should not have happened at home where the crowd's quiet while you have the ball. so go in with the plan and figure out the way to get rid of penalties. I mean, the 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 easiest way to lose momentum and the easiest way to give another team momentum is by penalties. And the last few weeks, penalties have taken off first downs and touchdowns. Yep. You can't have that happen. LSU's not a good football team, but LSU's not Vanderbilt. Right. And then, like I said, it came to doom uh, Florida in the Kentucky game. Kentucky's not a good team. I don't think they're a good football team. Granted, they got a great offensive and defensive line, but everywhere else, they're just okay. They're not great. Um, yeah, Florida, that that game, you know, killed them. And LSU's only 13th nationally in penalties. So they're going to commit a lot of penalties. They may with these new guys that they have to put out here because they're, you know, because of, of all the injuries. I don't know. But Florida, man, they almost double LSU in penalties per game. And I posted that earlier uh, on uh, Twitter and uh, just looking at that, I mean, any kind of penalties and what penalties force you to do, obviously, and it, it, it's, it's, no, it's a no-brainer. They obviously move you back, so you're more forced on a third down to either throw it really long or get a desperation throw. That could get picked off or, or something else. So it can really change the round of momentum of a game when you're sitting there just getting yellow flags all game long. So, yeah, they have to come out there with a plan. I mean, the penalties are just bad. Like, I've never – I think the worst penalized team was a must-champ team way back in the day. And they committed so many penalties, but they had such a good defense to dig them out of so many holes that the games were still close. You don't have that right now. You don't have an right. elite defense. You have a good defense, and I'll get into that, but, you know, your, your defense isn't like it was when you had with Will Muschamp, so you're going to have to definitely clean up the, uh, the penalties here, man. And uh, Yeah, and, and, and I want to go a little bit further, not on the penalties, but on the offensive side of the ball here. Yeah, And that is... You know, you, you have to buy a week next week. The worst possible thing that can happen to this team is for Emory Jones to struggle a little bit um, in this in this game yeah. um, and have him think about it and hear about it for two weeks, all next week, and then the week of Georgia. Whatever your game plan may be, make sure the game plan fits Emory Jones. Allow Emory to do what he does well. Don't put the handcuffs on him like you did in the Kentucky game. Um, You just can't because George is preparing, first off, and you're not showing him anything by letting him throw some deep balls because you showed that against uh, um, Vanderbilt last weekend. But you need Emory's confidence to be as high as possible heading into that Georgia game. Heading into the bye week, you need his confidence to be there. Um, What you do with Anthony Richardson, um, you know, I I think you probably get him a little bit more involved than you did last week. Um, That's just my opinion. Um, But we'll see. I mean, um, again, this is an LSU team that allows a, a lot of running game. So you should be able to run the ball. So, 
But but just because they can run the ball, let's not see 15 quarterback runs with Emory Jones. I Nobody wants to see that. Yeah, they don't want to see that with Anthony Richardson, too. And I, I didn't understand last week why they just had Anthony Richardson, you know, hand the ball off. You're up 42 to nothing. You're, right. not, you're not losing in the fourth quarter. Uh, right. Didn't get it, but uh, now would be a good time to run Anthony Richardson, to be honest, because LSU's 83rd nationally in rush defense. 177, 177 yards per game average allowed rushing against everybody, and that includes the, the crappy teams that they played at the beginning of the season. So that's uh, that's pretty good of a stat. And uh, Florida's third nationally in rushing yards per game, as I just mentioned, 274. LSU is 125th nationally in rushing yards per game on offense at 75.2 so uh hope you're i hope you're able to stop this running game especially with john emery out for the year and they don't really have any i mean if you look at who they've lost and you look at where they are running back depth chart wise they really don't have a big playmaker uh you should be able to definitely stop the run on lsu and you should definitely be able to run the ball this should be the team that you can do whatever the heck you want to to them and, and, and I know we talked about Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt was just chewing up clock, and this is what LSU is going to try to do because they know that Florida's the better team coming in. They're going to try to chew up clock. So definitely, if you want to kill clock for LSU, run the ball. And if you get 60, 70-yard touchdowns, it doesn't matter because you're scoring on them anyway. So Right. Whatever. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, obviously you don't want to look at this game as a game to, you know, to, to try things and, to, you know, get better. I mean – get new things out there you definitely want to get better um but you you definitely want to to figure out the the running game in this game and then defensively got to clean it up tackle wise because that's been an issue and, and and it's an issue that continues to to bite its ugly head i mean it did in the vandy game even a couple of times to allow them to get down there close for field goal range um you know lsu still got players Still got yeah. some good athletes. And if you allow some of these athletes to, to have missed tackles and to break away, they're going to find Pater quick. And, you know, that's not what you want. And, and then running the ball, you you want to see this defensive line get a push. Um, you know, you've seen it a little bit in the Vandy game, and obviously they weren't bringing the pressure they were, you know, for the most part. Um, but you want to see those guys. So that Carter's been the one kind of consistent there. Um, Brenton Cox has struggled a little bit there. Um, you want to see some of those guys get going and put the pressure on Max Johnson, especially if you get down uh, or if they get down early and, and they get into pass mode. Turn it loose. Max Johnson's not going to beat you deep with that arm. Yeah, and and I'm glad you I'm glad you're mentioning all this because it falls right into place with all my stats that I took for the the notes. Hey, it see, it just falls are. into place. You were talking about the defensive line and getting pressure. LSU is 79th nationally for pass protection, giving an average of 2.4 sacks away per game. So, <laughs> I mean, right there, there you go. Get sacks, yeah. get pressure. Uh, but, get the pressure. And, and Florida, this is an impressive stat actually, and. and it's harder to sack a dual-threat quarterback, which is the, the best thing about having a dual-threat quarterback, but our offensive line's been playing pretty good this year. Uh, Florida's tied fourth nationally with Georgia for pass protection, averaging .5 sacks given up per game. So that's pretty good. I mean, I, yeah. I, that's, I, I gotta, I, my hat's off to the offensive line and Emory Jones not taking sacks, and uh, Florida ranks 18th in sacks per game at 3.2 sacks per game. So they're 18th nationally and giving other teams sacks. So... These, I mean, these stats line right up with just taking the, the head off of Max Johnson. I mean, like, 
the way that our defensive line's been playing, I mean, they didn't play great against Kentucky, but nobody really has played great against Kentucky getting pressure on the quarterback, if, if you look at it. I, I haven't seen it. But now, this is your time. This is your time to take the quarterback's head off. Yeah, let me see yeah. the Zachary Carters, the Brenton Coxes, just, just even the Gervon Dexters. Gervon Dexter's been playing great this year, too. I want to yeah. see some quarterback sacks and quarterback hurries. Yeah, I mean it's an opportunity, and you know, and my thing to my thing to Dan is again, um, you know, you had some, you took a lot of heat after Kentucky game. Um, things cooled down some in the Vandy game, but you know, still the Vandy game wasn't the best of, of games for for everyone because it just didn't, you know, it didn't start out like you wanted to, and you won forty two to nothing. But I think most people would say. For the most part of that game, they were unhappy with the, you know, the overall play of it. This is your opportunity to kind of go into LSU and rebound from a loss that you had last year that just was inexcusable. And, you know, Tiger Stadium is a tough place to, to play, and it's going to be a, a tough game for, as far as that goes. But you're the better team. And, um, I, again, I want to see Emory throw the ball. You're, you're without Stingley. You're without Eli Ricks. Let him throw the ball a little bit. Let's see Cope. Let's see Whittemore. Um, you know, let's see Jaquavion Frazier, who's been doing good. And where's Xavier Henderson? I haven't seen him very much. I don't either. Yeah, Xavier Henderson and Justin Shorter have been – well, Xavier Henderson. Well, we kind of know what Shorter's deal is. He's got, you know, he's got sponges for hands. Yeah, he's got butterfingers, man. He really yeah, he got butterfingers. And I'm glad you just keep mentioning just let Emory pass the ball. You're, you're just falling right into place with my stats because I was about to mention average passing first downs allowed on defense and offense for both teams. Florida is 39th nationally and average passing first downs allowed on defense at 9.3. LSU's 100th nationally and average passing first downs allowed on defense at 11.8 oh wow yeah that's uh you you better be able to pass it's like i said when i looked at these stats florida is completely annihilating lsu in just about every one of these stat categories except for penalties but you should be able to do whatever you want to with lsu right to be honest uh yeah absolutely um let's uh let's go let's pick some players you ready to pick some players i'll pick some players i was just going to mention that florida's 30th and average rushing yards on first downs at 6.8 first downs on rushing yards, and LSU's average rushing first downs is at 9.8 per game. That's it. I'm good now. Yeah. We love our stats. Uh, I, I tell you all the time. I like the stats. I respect the stats. It doesn't like mean anything. I like to see what's on the field. Um, and I, I, I say this, and we talk about this, this game's going to be close. These two teams play each other close no matter what. We've seen it last year. The game should not have been close in Gainesville. It was. Yeah. These teams play each other close. It's just like in Jacksonville. That game's going to be closer than most people think. It just is. Yeah. That, that, that game is just that way. Yeah, it, it's, it's, the, it's the every year rivalry that both teams don't want to lose. So they both come out energized no matter whether it's a home game or it's an away game. And, of course, in Jacksonville, it's, it's a neutral site. But it, it, I think – if I look at it, I don't even think that there's been one LSU-Florida game except for maybe the 2011 game. That was a blowout. I think 2011 game, they blew us out pretty good. But that was it. Like, every other game's been close. And you know what else irks me, too? Because I looked this up, too, the, the game history. I think LSU's won eight out of the last 11. And it's they all been close. They've all been close. It's been like a four-point game or a three-point game or an eight-point game. Well, the the 2019 game was, I think it was like a two-touchdown game. But, we, I mean, we were close to tying that game. I mean, right. we were in the red zone twice. So, 
I yeah, I mean, Florida still does hold a 33-31 and 31 record against the LSU Tigers. Let's make it 34. That's right. Uh, my turn to go first. You went first last week and, and picked uh, Emory. Um, I'm going to turn it around. I'm going to go uh, go Damian Pierce. Damien Pierce. He's got back-to-back uh, multi. No, he doesn't. That's that's wrong. That's a lie. He's got multiple touchdowns in two out of the last three. Florida should be able to, like I said, Florida should be able to do whatever the hell they want to to LSU. But it, like you said, it's not going to happen. But looking at it stats-wise, I would pick a running back too. I don't know if I want to pick Malik Davis coming back from injury or if I want to pick Naquan Wright because Naquan Wright pretty impressed me a lot last week. Naquan I, Wright might be the best player on this team. I'm gonna I'm gonna do that. I'm going Naquan Wright. Naquan Wright's gonna be my running back. Offensively, Naquan might be the best player on the team right now. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's really hard to to pick these guys. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'll go Emory, pick number two, um, because they should be able to throw the ball against these dudes. They should be able to. Um, so I'm, I'm going to go Emory uh, hoping that Dan turns it loose. I'm going to go Zachary Carter. Um, LSU's sack statistics, and they're the actual quarterback pressure statistics. I looked them up. I just can't remember them. They were pretty bad, too. Uh, Zachary Carter's going to be my guy. Uh, if, if you want to go ahead and pick Brenton Cox. I, I, I no, I'm going to go a different guy. Jay Moon, Mr. Jeremiah Moon. Um, if if LSU's going to try to run the ball a little bit, Moon's going to be the key. Um, he's had a, such a good year, quietly such a good year. Um, and I almost went Trey Dean. Man, Trey and Rashad last week. Man, I don't know if a game two safeties played better than those two guys. But I'll, I'll go. I'll go Jay Moon for my pick. I'm going Kyrie Elam. He's coming back. I think. Who's going to throw it to over there? I know. Exactly. He's coming back. I'm pretty sure they're going to still try to run the ball, but they're probably not even going to throw Kyrie Elam's way. But if they do, I think it's going to be trouble for, for Max Johnson and whoever he's guarding. I mean, they don't. their wide receivers are out. <laughs> I mean, I, I got to pick Kyrie Elam, man. That's that's the injury reports, the based on uh, the interceptions they throw per game. I did not mention that, but I did have it here. Um, I think it was interceptions per game. They're 63rd nationally. Right. Uh, actually, we're 113th nationally interceptions per game. But that was because Emery uh, lit it up the first two, three games of the season, throwing picks. Yeah. But then he, he's calmed down on that now. But yeah, we'll go ahead and pick Kyrie Elam, man. All right. I like that. I like that. Um, special teams always, you know, something to watch in these games. Um, gotta gotta watch it. I mean, that was that was a key last year. Um, Miss Phil Goldberg McPherson and LSU's kicker hit it and they won the game after Shoegate. So, uh, always got to watch that. Uh, some games around the country, my man. Uh, first off, the Florida cover 11 and a half. Do they cover the 11? Yeah, I'll give them that. Yeah, I think they can cover that 11 and a half. I think okay. they can. All right, I'll, I'll go with you. I think they cover. Here's an interesting, sneaky game to me. Auburn travels up to Fayetteville. Hmm. Let's see. Auburn travels up. Arkansas's to after two losses. Do they get back on track, or are they the same Arkansas team? Auburn's been playing better. I'll be honest. I'm going Auburn. 
Yeah, I'm going to go Auburn. Uh, they're pretty good in, in, in rushing and uh, defending the rush, 104. And that's Arkansas's bread and butter. Their quarterback's not that good. I'm picking Auburn over Arkansas. In the game, and I, I cannot believe this spread. 22 and a half point favorites. It's Georgia over Kentucky. Oh, it's number went down. One versus, number one versus number 11. Yeah, it has went down a little bit, but still. That means everybody's opened, betting on Kentucky with that spread. It went up at 23. <laughs> and it was started at 23 and a half, but 22 and a half. Uh, ES, that's, ESPN has it at 21.5. Okay. Well, there you go. So, I mean, I think we're both going to go Kentucky. I mean, Georgia, but does Kentucky cover? I mean, I would pick Kentucky based on the spread. Yeah, I mean that's an easy bet. I don't. I, I picked it when it, I I bet on it when it was twenty four and a half. So okay. yeah, I <laughs> there's no way. I I don't think there's any way that that Georgia's gonna uh, magically get a elite offense because they haven't had one all year and then score that amount of a spread. I think Kentucky's gonna score on Georgia. I mean, I, their defensive and offensive lines are just that good. I think they're just as good as Georgia's. But I think Georgia's going to force them to throw the football, and that's why Kentucky's going to lose. So I will pick Georgia. Mm. I want I Kentucky think to covers. Win. I think Georgia covers. Ooh, really? I, I don't know how Kentucky scores, man. They're just not that good, man. I, I, I know their offense and defense lines pretty good. They're just not that good. But you're, there's nobody that can convince me they're good. They're just not that good. I'm sorry. Uh, but hey, their quarterback's got way better stats than Stetson Bennett. Yeah. And Rodriguez I, has doubled Zamir White's rushing yards. Yeah, but they play like 15 backs, and they're all five stars. Yeah, but still, I mean, if you can clog that run game of it, no matter how many five-star running backs you got, they're just going to get hit. We'll see. I, I think they win. I, I think mean, Georgia I think wins. Cover. I think they cover. Okay. That's an easy bet I'm, for me. I, I'm taking Kentucky all day long with that spread. Does Texas recover against Oklahoma State at home? Oklahoma State? I haven't really watched much of Oklahoma State this year. They haven't watched it either. They're 5-0. and Yeah, 5-0, and number 12 in the country, averaging 385 yards per game, which is kind of down for yeah. an Oklahoma State team. Uh, Texas comes in averaging 492. Uh, but, man. I mean, that was embarrassing last week. Yeah, 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 that was pretty bad. I mean, you're up by what four, almost four touchdowns, and you lose the game. But yeah, that's because Spencer Rattler sucks, and I knew he sucked the whole time just because he had one impressive win over a team of he's supposedly been strings. benched. Yeah, he's been benched. Actually, you know, and and I saw a tweet out earlier this week that said Spencer Rattler's name's not even on the um, what do you call it, the the student list on their site. Yeah, but I think somebody came out and said that was fake or something. Uh, I've seen that, but it was – I forget what the reasoning was that it was fake. Um, I don't know. But, yeah, apparently he's still at practice and everything, but uh, Caleb Williams is starting starting over him. So, Um, I don't know. It's – I'm going to pick Texas for the upset. Pick Texas for the upset. I think Texas does too. Um, I think that's all the big ones, man. I mean, there's really no big ones. Texas and Missouri, Bama, Mississippi State. I don't think there's any other good ones. Does BYU uh, rebound against Baylor? Yeah, probably. I don't know. I'll, if it was I haven't TCU, watched enough. Ole Miss I haven't play, watched enough. Wait, hold on. Ole Miss plays Tennessee, and Tennessee's been playing pretty damn good lately. And yeah, but Matt Corral's, 
Mackerel's fine. Mackerel scored ease against those dudes. I would still pick Ole Miss to win the game, but Tennessee, man, they're they're getting better as the year goes on. But I don't know if that's well, just I never the quality. picked that gaudy orange, man. Sorry. I don't know if that's just the quality of opponents they've been playing because they played Missouri, South Carolina, you know, and, and the opponents before us. We already know all about that. We held them to 14 yeah. points. So. Yeah. All right, David, we'll sign us off, my friend, and we'll get out of here, and uh, we'll be back next week. And we're going to do uh, do something special next week. By week, uh, we're going to have, you know, our normal recap of the uh, LSU game, and then we're going to bring my man Eric Fawcett on as uh, basketball season uh, kicks off or tips off November 1st. Get Eric on talk basketball. Uh, a lot of, a lot of new faces on the team. So we'll get Eric on. He'll uh, educate y'all and us on some basketball and uh, see what else comes around the the window next week. That is right, man. Hoops right around the corner for the Florida Gators and hopefully the oh, Florida Gators. And hold on. Well, yeah. My Atlanta Braves are headed to the NLCS. That is right. I, actually, I forgot to mention that. I was thinking about that and I never mentioned it before we ended this podcast. How happy Head are to you, the man? NLCS. I see that oh, smile on your face, man. Man, yeah, I'm pumped, man. I'm pumped. Ready for to some- tell me, to tell me as far as we've come, we'd be in the NLCS. Four games away. We're taping this on Thursday, so Giants, uh, Dodgers are still going. I don't even care. Bring on L.A. Who cares? <laughs> yeah, and they, he, Braves lost their best player early this season, too, didn't they? Yeah, Cooney's gone, and then we lose Jorge Soler to COVID on uh, Tuesday morning. So, yeah, I mean, the obstacles have been put against us, and every time we bounce back. So, it is the year of the Braves. Don't worry. I was wondering why you had that big smiling face on this podcast today. No, I always have a smiling face for the Braves, my man. <laughs> All right, man. Braves play on Saturday. Who are they playing against? Who's it? We'll see. Dodgers or Giants. Uh, winner of Thursday night's game. Uh, it's Giants. The Braves are headed out to San Fran. And if it's L.A., then L.A. is coming to your neck of the woods to Truist Park. That's it. Maybe I can meet you up there. We'll, uh, hey, you know. if, uh, if the Braves are there... I don't know. I got to make it work. <laughs> got to make it work. All Stupid right. football. All you Florida fans, you're Braves fans. Go Braves out there. Going out there right. Saturday, and uh, hopefully they'll get out of victory. Hoops right around the corner, and hopefully Florida, as I was going to say before we mentioned the Braves, makes that Ogeron go around the corner and out of the door of LSU come Saturday night. But that'll do it. That'll wrap it up for this episode of the GatorCountry.com podcast. You can follow me at GC on Twitter, and you can follow Andrew Spivey at GC on Twitter as well. That'll wrap it up, folks, for this episode of the GatorCountry.com podcast.